Miracy. Because perhaps their process to create this breakthrough is that they have to quit at some point. And so that's very heartbreaking for us as a coach because we can see what's possible, but we're actually going to hold the space and be like, look, it's okay if you want to quit. And we might remind them, here's the breakthrough that you saw for yourself. What's the reason you chose into this in the first place? But if there is a point where we are trying to stop them from doing something, we are now getting in their way. Have you ever wondered why some changes feel surface level while others lead to breakthroughs? I'm going to explore the secrets behind breakthroughs and those elusive moments that elevate coaching to something truly profound. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped tens of thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. What sets a true breakthrough apart from just quick fixes? The answers to these questions and more might spark the next chapter of your own coaching journey. I'm excited to have the remarkable Adam Quiney on the show today. He's been through the exhilarating highs of success and the perplexing lows of boredom. He's a former lawyer turned executive coach, an obsessive perfectionist, and a high performer. He knows what it's like to have it all on the surface level, yet feel a void within. And it's safe to say that Adam is someone who has undergone a powerful journey of self-discovery and transformation. Welcome, Adam. Hello. I'm excited to have you on the show and really get into this distinction. But before we do that, before we dive in, would you share just a little bit of your background with our listeners? So like broad brushstrokes, my first career was in software. So I was a software developer. I got into that line of work right after the dot-com crash. And then basically what was happening was I was righteously arrogant about why I didn't have enough responsibility or wasn't getting promoted enough. I was very focused on how I was being kind of maybe like spiritually wronged or something like that. And so I left that to pursue a career in law. And then while I found the study of law fascinating, super, super interesting, the practice of it seemed very quite dull and very like tedious. And also like there was a lot of shutting my heart off and running everything through my head. And so at that point I got pretty clear. I don't think I want to do this long-term as a career. And that's how I found my way into what I do now, which is executive coaching or Probably a better term or better way to describe it would be transformational leadership coaching. Now, that's a word that I talk about a lot in my business with my clients. And so let's look at, you know, transformational results versus transactional ones. Can you elaborate on what transformation means in this context and how it differs from those short term or the the surface level changes? So... A couple of things, like I'll, I'll set up some, maybe some boundaries or some you know, bumpers, I guess, like you have in bowling, which is that a transactional result, we often kind of, we're very dismissive of it because, well, transformation's the, the, the good thing. So anything transactional sucks, but that's not true at all. A transactional result is one that doesn't require a fundamental shift in the way we be in our life. And so by way of example, when I shifted from being a software developer and a project manager at the end of that career into practicing to become an attorney, it required a lot of work. I had to like study more hours. I had to sacrifice more social time. I had to like harden myself further. So there was nothing minimal about it. However, all of that stuff was already in my wheelhouse. 
it was already stuff I was reliable to do. I just had to do, or maybe a better way to put it was I had to be the way I was already being better, harder, faster, and stronger. So I kind of had to double down on what I was already doing. That's what we could call kind of a transactional result. It, it didn't require any shift. It just required I, I, I get better at what I was already getting better at. Whereas to make the shift from the practice of law into the, the practice of transformational leadership, and like specifically, for example, to go from a world where if I wanted to make more, more money, I was going to have to work more hours. If I wanted to make twice as much money, I was going to have to work twice as many hours and nothing sort of special or different, no kind of breakthrough there. And to create the transformational result where I worked half as many hours and made twice as much money, that was going to require a breakthrough, a fundamental change in the way I showed up in, in my life. And so that, that hopefully gives like a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about when we talk about a transformational result as opposed to a transactional one. Yeah, I really love that distinction. And when I was preparing for this conversation, and I was reflecting on that difference myself, when I think about that surface level, that transactional, like you talk about, it's just changes in our actions. We just got to do things slightly differently to accomplish the goals that we set. But I love how you said, you know, it's already in our wheelhouse. We just have to do more of it quicker, faster, harder, better. But the transformation, like that requires realignment of perspectives adjustments in our beliefs. We have to undo things that keep us in the spot that we're in so that we can become a new person so that these changes or outcomes that we want can actually have a place to turn into reality. Like without it, it's not even possible. Yes. Yes. Like it's, it's almost a trite metaphor now, but the caterpillar into the butterfly where flight for the caterpillar is, is a non- starter. It's not a conversation. It's, it's impossible. The caterpillar could like build a runway, get trained by Usain Bolt, and then like run very fast down the runway and get really good at jumping and it will never fly. No amount of that will ever result in flight. And the only way that flight will happen is through the, the metamorphosis, the transformation that happens inside that cocoon. So how do you talk to people that are wanting outcomes? I mean, do you work with people who only want surface level change? Or are you like, mm, sorry, that's not me. I'm not the coach for you. I only go for transformational breakthroughs or is all of it welcome in your coaching practice with clients? Well, that's a great question. I always meet people where they start and pretty much I would say like anyone that says, oh, I only go for transformational breakthroughs in my life. I think that person's lacking a bit of self-awareness. We can't see the limits of the, the worldview we've created for ourselves. Just like a fish can't see the water it swims in, it's impossible. And so we might think, oh yeah, I only go for transformational results and breakthrough, blah, blah, blah. But probably we're just pushing way out to the bounds of like the current identity, worldview, et cetera, that we've created. As we start to, to look and to explore, the first thing I usually do with clients is, is make that larger. And the way we make that larger would be like, okay, great. So you want twice as much money, but what for? Money is always a good place to start. And what are you hoping that'll give you and blah, blah, blah. And we will start to come to this really interesting place that will sound a particular way. And the ways it'll sound are like, mm, I don't know. Or, well, yeah, I'd like that, but. And once you start to hear those things, it means that you are pushing into the bounds of what's possible for this person. Anytime someone is like, well, I don't know, that tells us, oh, we're at the end of where they typically lead their inquiry. They don't go any further than here. They stop at, I don't know. And that's the end of it. Or sure, I'd love to make twice as much money, Adam, 
But to do that, I would have to, and then here's the reason why they can't make twice as much money. And that's where their journey ends. That's where their breakthrough stops happening. And so we want to explore like, yeah, okay, got it. But if it was possible, or if you could also have the other thing you're afraid of letting go of, what would that be? And that's where we start to get into the realm of results that will require a breakthrough and that would mm-hmm. really support them to go beyond. All of a sudden, as I'm hearing you describe this, analogies are just popping up all over the place for me in this conversation. But the Karate Kid movie is coming up. When he wanted to learn karate to go beat this guy, whatever. And Mr. Miyagi's like, no, you will paint the fence. You will paint the house. You will wash the car. And he's like, no. And like, those are those surface level. It's like, ugh, that's not what I want. It's what's required. The transformational breakthrough, you couldn't even go for that until you learned those small changes. They had to build- to pave the way. That's how I see it. They kind of build and Uh pave the way so that then, like you said, we're pushing the bounds and it's like, don't look now, but you actually are kicking and blocking and punching. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh my gosh, it happened. Do you find that that's Mm -hmm. how transformational breakthroughs happen? It's like, don't look now, but you're experiencing it. Or is it like a bolt of lightning that's like, oh my God, this just happened. A bit of both. Mm -hmm. So like the the thing, part of the reason transactional or like shift based results are popular and so readily available is because the kind of the arc of our experiencing them is fairly straightforward. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm practicing on the soccer field and then tomorrow I play soccer a bit better. And like, that's nice. It's a straight line that just goes up and it meets like our expectations for how our growth would go. Whereas a breakthrough result often is quite the opposite. As I'm practicing something new, like I'm like, I need to do karate and I'm getting my ass kicked by William Zabka playing Johnny. I've watched Karate Kid way too many times. You've really stepped into like a danger (laughs) zone with me. (laughs) But anyhow, he's, he's rocking me. I need to learn. And then not only am I not learning, I'm putting my attention on painting a fence. I'm getting worse. Things are not getting better. They're actually unimproving they're they're getting worse and worse and worse and so this creates this real panic in ourselves where we're like i'm fixated on the result which is that i defeat this guy at a karate battle it's not happening i'm moving further and further away from it and that pulls us back to going to the transactional surface based result i need to go back to the thing i know will get me a result and what that does is it pulls me away from the breakthrough path if i'm willing to stay on the breakthrough path to your point melinda it gets where I'm like, it's not working. It's not working. I, I hate this. You know, we reach a point of like, ah, you know, going insane. And then on the other side of that breakthrough. Yeah. And suddenly in that moment, everything's different and yet nothing is different. Yeah. And that's the paradox of this kind of shift we're talking about. How do you coach your clients in that moment where they're like, you know, they're taking the path that's necessary and you're like, oh my gosh, you're just, you're almost there. Like, let's just keep going. But they're like, "Mm, this isn't working. This is not what I want to do. I need to know that. And like, how do you coach him in that moment of panic, like you said, or frustration Mm -hmm. to trust the process and just keep going? The biggest and most important thing I do is walk this path with my own coach. And as an aside, I think that's why breakthroughs are not super common is because a lot of coaches don't work with coaches that challenge them in this way because it's way less comfortable. And so one, I'm not asking my clients to do something I'm not actively doing in my own life, which makes it much easier. The second thing that's a lot of really giving them permission to be in their process. So the human part of us sees the client struggling or sees our friend or sees our parent or a child or whatever struggling. And we want to like 
convince them or push them or just give them that little bit of nudge so that they will stay the course. And what that's doing is interrupting their process. It's getting in the way of their sacred process because perhaps their process to create this breakthrough is that they have to quit at some point. And so that's very heartbreaking for us as a coach because we can see what's possible, but we're actually going to hold the space and be like, look, it's okay if you want to quit. And we might remind them, here's the breakthrough that you saw for yourself. What's the reason you chose into this in the first place? But if there is a point where we are trying to stop them from doing something, we are now getting in their way. And once people feel an energetic push in one direction, we naturally create this sort of return compensating push in the back. So as soon as you're like, you should do this, Adam, you really should. There's a part of me that's going to be like, actually, I'm going to push back against that and not do this because you're telling me and, and so on and so forth. Okay. I just want to land that here very selfishly for myself, but also for our listeners. There is a powerful but tiny distinction you just made. It, what I heard first was give them permission to be in the process. And what you just said was give them permission to be in their process, mm. which might be very different and let that be okay. Hold the space for yes. however they need to show up. And uh, that tiny little adjustment is profound and a good one. So thanks for yes. bringing that to the conversation. Now, when we talk about breakthroughs, you know, we've been talking about the process, like karate kid, go paint the fence, go wash the car. Like there's steps that can happen and a process that one can follow and then breakthroughs happen. Can it be structured like that or is it more random and unpredictable? Well, yeah, probably a bit of both. I guess that's going to be my pat answer for all the questions you ask me. <laughs> I'll come up with different questions. <laughs> yes, it be the same answer. <laughs> so part of what creates a breakthrough is super mundane, which people don't like because we can't really hide behind mundane. So the way that works is like, what's something you want that feels impossible? Great. Start planning it which is just like, oh, but I thought there was going to be like a part where you waved a magic wand and planning became different or whatever. And it's like, no, you want to make twice as much money. What are you going to have to do? So that's the, that's the like structured part of it. That's important. Just like if someone wants to create a breakthrough in their experience of travel, the first thing that they have to do is just choose a place to travel to. So step one is to get clear, like on a thing to go towards and like to plan for it, to make it a, a boring, you know, mundane project plan to start to take the steps towards it. And then the beautiful thing is that all of that breakthrough work will happen along the way towards achieving that goal. And we know that to be true because the goal that they've set for themselves is one that's currently impossible. And so as they strive to plan and to make it happen, whatever always makes this impossible is going to kind of show up and make itself known. And they're going to come into a confrontation with it. It might look like, ah, oh, I don't like planning, so I'm just going to not do it. Great. There's the thing that's stopping them right out of the gate. And then they overcome that. Ah, oh, I've got to take care of my parents or I've got my kids or I've got 60,000 other reasons why I can't do this. So I guess this won't happen. Great. There's the next thing that stands in the way. And so in that mundane sort of just boring planning and moving towards that, the stuff that always gets in the way will, as it always does, get in the way. And then we coach that and how they're showing up in relation to that. And that's where the breakthroughs can really take shape. Yeah, truly, it's a both and. I know when I when I work with my clients or even when I do the work myself, Whenever I'm setting goals, desires, intentions, I always, at the end of whatever that is that I've listed or created, I always put dot, 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 or better. And it's mm. just that reminder for me to allow the room for the random, quote unquote, the magic to be dazzled by that which is greater than me 
so that I stay in the realm of breakthrough possibility and not just, like you said earlier, the transactional of doing what I know quicker, faster, better, harder. But really that or dot, 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 or better is what creates a container for me to live in that uncertainty, to live into the question mark as it's unfolding. So how do you coach your clients when they're spending so much time out of their comfort zone? Well, it really depends. There's no like one way, of course. But one of the most fundamental things I'm really doing is supporting people to come back to a place where they trust themselves and their intuition, which sounds so, so like trite when I say it. And for many years, consequently, I completely resisted that. It was elusive for me. So like what happens in this westernized world that most of us live in that has tons and tons and tremendous like opportunity and gifts and beautiful things it has to provide us. It's not all bad. But what happens is we're trained out of trusting our intuition. And the way that happens is like, oh, you are feeling compelled to do this. Well, don't. You should study for the next three years because then you're going to go to college. And then once you're done college, you're not done studying because you have to practice for this and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And there's like, there's some wisdom in this. Like life isn't all about just following, you know, I want a milkshake now, so I'm going to drink a milkshake. You know, there's times when we have to like do something beyond just our immediate desire in the moment but we're hyper-weighted in the other direction. And so what happens is we all become very, very distrustful of our intuition, of our process, of what's showing up, and we ultimately hold ourselves without any reverence. And so a lot of the times when when I'm working with clients and we're, we're doing this like really deep work to support them to create what's next, something will show up and they're frustrated and they're not wanting to do something and they're trying to force themselves to do it. They're like, I, I need to write. It's really important I write and, and yet I'm not doing it and I keep don't doing it. What most coaching does is like, great, let's figure out how to force you to write. And there's not going to be much of a breakthrough in that. That's just sort of like, let's bully you. Again, let's not trust what's showing up. And the deeper work I find tends to be like, okay, so you're not wanting to write. Let's look at that. Let's explore what's going on there. And maybe on the other side of exploring that, you'll still create some structure to like actually have you overcome your resistance and write, but maybe not. And what really matters is that we explore and get to the bottom of what's really going on there and let that guide forward what happens next. Now, are are breakthroughs something that you can measure? Like, are there indicators or signals that have happened? Or is it just, you'll know it when it happens? I think it's really valuable to try to create some kind of measurement for them. And we resist this. So a lot of times people might want, especially my kind of people who have huge hearts, really, really big brains and learn to shut their hearts down and run everything through their head. Because what that afforded us was I'm no longer dealing with the liability of having a big heart. What a relief. I can get stuff done. I can make money. I can blah, blah, blah. So people like that often, one of the breakthroughs that we're really craving once we finally seek out a coach is something like, I want like romance. I want passion in my life. I want color. I want connection. And that kind of desire, that kind of breakthrough, the way I've just described, it's very ephemeral and conceptual. Like, great, you want connection, but what does that even mean? How do we know you got that? And so what can be really powerful is to say like, okay, well, let's imagine a year from now, you have created that. You've created the breakthrough and connection, we'll say. What's going to look different in your life tangibly? And this will be annoying for people, which I'm more than willing to be, because I'm asking them to answer a question that they have no context for answering. They're like, I don't know, because I don't have connection in my life. And so it's sort of like, yeah, you got to imagine it a bit, make it up. What do you think it might look like? And so 
people will tend to have resistance to this, but with enough support, eventually they're like, I don't know, like maybe I, I do something with friends twice a week. That would be pretty cool. Okay, great. Anything else? Yeah, yeah, I guess like I have a partner and like we do something other than just watch TV once a week. Okay, great. So we're starting to like build in a bit of reality around this idea of a concept called connection. And so what that does is it gives us the tangible thing that calls them forward, that kind of forces them onto the mat to confront the stuff that gets in the way. Whereas when people are just working with the idea, like I want more connection, there's nothing there that's going to really call you forward to face your fear. You're just going to sit there and be like, well, today, how did I do with connection? Well, I'm feeling pretty good today. So I guess I did good. And then tomorrow, eh, I don't feel so good. I'm not doing so good with my breakthrough. So I think having some tangible things really, really serves people in this, this crazy breakthrough work. Yeah. I love that question. I ask my clients that a lot. How will we know from the outside looking at your life? How will we know that it's happened or that you've got it or that it's mm -hmm. been experienced? And you're right. They squirm because they like, I don't know. And I think it's our job as coaches to be a little annoying. Like when we, yes. when we have those moments with our clients and they want to hang up on us, <laughs> like mm -hmm. we're on the right track. You know, if you had to guess what would it be just to spark the, the yeah. thoughts, however wrong it might be or however loose it might be, but it has to be taken to the tangible. So I love that you brought that into the conversation. And can, can I interject something there? Cause there's something very sacred. And you mentioned we forget how to learn and how to do anything new as we age. Children are so masterful at it. It's why they're so good at discovery. And, and what you just described, Melinda, is the act of someone practicing, remembering for themselves how to learn. You just take a swing. You get it wrong. And so even though it's just like, oh, it's a stupid moment, like it's easy to dismiss. Yeah, sure. I took a swing. I don't know. Maybe it's this. Maybe pigs fly out of my butt, whatever. But every time we do that, we come back to our birthright, which is this, uh, this human ability to explore and to discover and to learn something new from our, for ourselves. And so holding that space as coach is so, so sacred. I love that. That might be my favorite part of this whole conversation that we've had so far. That is beautiful. Thanks for landing that in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's let's kind of keep go, going with that. I'm going to switch my questions here. Bringing in the magic. I talked about earlier the, the or better. When I think about breakthroughs and I think about the breakthroughs that I've had in my life, it was the moments where I didn't carry the sole responsibility by mm -hmm. myself for making sure the breakthrough happened. It's when I left room for spirit, universe, God, goddess, source, all kinds of names that our listeners will have for that. When I allowed room for spirit to co-create with me, then all of a sudden these synchronistic events, these quote unquote coincidences, the different signs, I, I would pay attention to those and it became like a popcorn trail that I was following that helped make these breakthroughs even possible. Talk to me about your experience with that. So I was raised very, uh, what's the best way to put it? If we were to look at it from like love, it would be very like a good critical thinker. And if through the lens of fear, it would be very cynical and skeptical. What sort of existed in me, part of the way I was being in my life was I don't trust anyone but myself. I don't trust other people and I don't trust spirit. There's no room in my life for even the contemplation of spirit but I do trust this guy, Adam. And so what that did as a strategy, an unconscious strategy, but a strategy nonetheless, is it ensured that I was never let down. I was never betrayed. 
because I didn't trust anyone but myself. And so there was only one guy I had to rely on. And that guy I could, I could control, you know, I could deal with him. Never mind that I constantly let myself down. So in, in the early days of this work, I was doing it all on my own and I was creating it all on my own shoulders. And like, it was nice and clean and predictable, but it was also a lot of work because it had to be right. And there was a limitation to what I could manifest in the world because it was limited by my own capacity, right? I wasn't going to rely on other people unless I was kind of energetically managing them. And that required more of my capacity. So even asking for support, what's the point? I still have to control those people too. So it's best not to. And so this got me pretty far. And even as I started to do my own work and create my own breakthroughs, it was still like, it was still like, I was the best way I can put it. Like there was still juice, you know, to be gotten from this approach until there wasn't. And there came a point in my life where one, I was taking on my addictions. So I used to really, really have a, a lot of trouble with pot, alcohol, less sort of overt, but like was always a bit of a uneasy relationship, food, we could go on and, but I won't. And so I was taking those on. I was also frustrated by how much I was working and kind of tired by it. And and there was always like, there's always enough food being put on the table, so to speak. Like I was always making enough money, but there wasn't like a real sense of ease. It was just like, okay, I got to do the next thing and the next thing. And so I started to take this stuff on. And what I really saw with the support of my coach, not her telling me this stuff, but her just helping me be in an inquiry with it was like how much was leveraged just against me and how ultimately limiting that was starting to be. And so I started to like, do a lot of work to cultivate a relationship with spirit. And I did that a number of ways. I did that through 12 step work. I mean, one of the beautiful things about recovery programs is that they are highly spiritual and many of them are spiritual without a denomination required. And so you can kind of plug in without some of the baggage that exists with religion. I started to do a lot of work training with um, shamanic practices and first nations practices and rites of passage and stuff like that. And for the longest time, it felt very rote like I was doing this stuff, but I was just doing it. You know, there was no like payoff. There was no like, oh my God, you know, spirit showed up in front of me like a glowing figure. None of that. Just like, I'm going to sit down and meditate. I'm going to trust that this is working. And over time, kind of like we've been describing breakthroughs, it was sort of like nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then suddenly there was like someone turned a light switch on and it became like, wow, there is like a divine orchestration of all of this. And there's like a design that each of us has. And really our job on this planet is to like be in the process of discovering our design and trusting and leaning into it. And so that has become what my life is like. And I will finish this off by saying, I don't always trust that because <laughs> I was raised skeptical and, and I'm, I'm smart and I like exploring and being critical in my thinking sometimes. And so when I get scared, all of that gets dismantled again. And then I have to find my way back to trusting it and to practicing with it. And then I open back up to spirit. So that's kind of what my process has and continues to look like. Thanks for sharing that experience and journey. I grew up the other end of that spectrum, having it readily available, mm. just knowing like I breathe oxygen, that it exists. I find that my personal style working with my clients is making room for that spirit in those yes. breakthroughs. And I bring that very transparent with my clients that if you're going to go on this journey with me, that's going to be part of the conversation. And some clients are like, well, I don't know, maybe. And they kind of tiptoe towards it. Others are like, yes, let's do this. And, yeah. and in that moment, I, I do meet them where they are 
And I don't shy away from it because I, I trust that if we're working together, that's part of the journey that is, is being created to help them experience their breakthroughs. Yes. For all of our listeners out there, because a lot of them are newer coaches, maybe they're brand new or in the first few years, are there other approaches or strategies that can help navigate the likelihood of these transformative moments happening for clients that our listeners can weave into their coaching practice? Anything else you want to share with that? The number one thing is so easy and it's so easy to step over, which is work with your own coach and work with your own coach in a paid coaching relationship. Because the thing about coaching is a lot of new coaches are afraid that it doesn't really work. We're afraid like it's snake oil that we're selling. And to be honest, there's a lot of the profession that is that. We don't want to step over that fact. But what happens when you work with your own coach is you discover how powerful this magic is. And it just becomes very easy, one, to enroll people in your work because you're like, the miracles that happen with my coach, oh my God, that's incredible. But two, you are walking that path yourself. It's so easy to see the underlying truth because I've walked through that path. So that's the mm -hmm. just the easiest thing that coaches can do. And it's the one we have the most resistance to because <laughs> coaching costs money. And, you know, it's like, well, I'll do that after I have clients. And it's like putting the cart before the horse, all that. So that's number one. And then number two is far simpler. And it's just, there's just four things required. The first is where's the person currently in their life? So what's going on right now? For example, if they're showing up and they're like, I wish I had more money. Great. How much money do you have? What money do you have coming in? So we need to know where someone is. That's like standing in front of a map and finding the place that says you are here. Without that, the map's not very useful to us. So we need to know that first. Second, we need to know where do they want to get to? And sometimes people will talk for hours without telling you this. They'll spend an hour complaining about how things suck right now. So what they're doing is they're telling you where they are. Or they'll talk around it. I want more money. Great. How much? More. Yeah, yeah but how much? We want to help them get clear on like, but where specifically do you want to get to? And then the third thing we want to know is what's the gap between those two things? What's in the way of you already being there? And once we have those three things, then we can coach them. And the beauty of that little setup is it's so simple. And I train coaches and I see them step over this all the time. And what it leads to is confusion and frustration. And they're trying hard to help the client create a breakthrough without just having the very basics of the journey in place first. Once we have those basics in place, the rest becomes much easier. It comes forward out of that that system that we've put in place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would mm -hmm. say don't coach to the breakthrough, coach to where they are, the clarity and where they want to get to and how they're navigating the gap. Such a great conversation. And I, I want to summarize some of the things that we've talked about today. I really love how you kicked off our conversation with the distinction between the transformation versus transactional, where the transactional is just doubling down on who you already are, doing it quicker, faster, better, harder. But transformation requires a fundamental change in the way that you're showing up. I love the different analogies that we use with the butterfly and uh -huh. pressing the edge and getting into the fundamentals with the karate kid and Mr. Miyagi and how we talked about the small changes along the way. And I love that distinction that you gave us when we're coaching our clients to trust the process when, you know, it gets messy or uncomfortable to, you know, give the permission to be in their process, not just to trust the process that you know works, but to be in their process, whatever that might be for them. We talked about 
you know, what creates breakthroughs is the mundane, that it requires both the structure and the mundane and magic. I love how we explored the magic of the conversation, the or better and making room for spirit to be part of the process. I love the simplicity you gave at the very end when you talked about here's four simple things that you can do to help facilitate breakthroughs. Adam, do you have any parting words for our listeners? I sure do. Never let Adam have the last word. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. So this harkens back to the butterfly metaphor. And what I love about the the process of the chrysalis, where the caterpillar metamorphoses into the butterfly, is that it goes into the cocoon and it enters this phase scientifically called gross bag of goo. So it becomes this (laughs) disgusting bag of goo. And in this bag of goo, the caterpillar's DNA is dying. Its cells are slowly dying. And these new cells born out of a type of cell called an ideation cell are being born. And those are butterfly cells. So there's this period where you have caterpillar cells and butterfly cells coexistent inside this cocoon, inside this one life form. And what's fascinating to me is that while this is happening, the caterpillar's immune system attacks and actively fights and kills this new creature that is coming into existence because it doesn't recognize it. It does not equal or equate to the old form, the caterpillar. And so it says, kill that off. And eventually over time, the critical mass is achieved. There's enough butterfly cells and then the butterfly emerges. What is so heartbreakingly or movingly profound about that to me is that's what happens to each of us as we are transforming. Our ego, our identity, our known self notices this new shape of me trying to come into existence and attacks it and tries to kill it and tries to do things like life's not that bad the way things currently are. Adam, you're fine this way. You make plenty of money. You don't need to have more friends. You blah, 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 blah. All of a conversation designed to bring me back to the this, this status quo that I currently exist in. And what I love about that is that it requires something profound from each of us to create a breakthrough. And no one escapes that process where we will be under attack. And so anytime anyone is going through that process, whether at the very start or the very end, I just hold that as so sacred. And to get to bear witness to that is one of the most beautiful, profound things we can get to do as a human. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. A giant thank you to Adam for this incredible conversation. You can find out more about him at adamquiney.com. That's Adam. Quiney, Q-U-I-N-E-Y.com. And in the show note, you'll find the links to his website as well as to his podcast, The Transformational Leader, and his YouTube channel, Coaching with T. Adam, thank you so mm-hmm. much for coming to the show. Thank you, Melinda. This has been a treat. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Making It. To catch the great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Mirror CFM's YouTube channel or your favorite podcast player. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment or a star review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you and see you next time.